0: You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 211. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. I'm doing this kind of last minute today. It's, what is it was February 7th. Um, I got into that rabbit hole again, thinking about the Collatz Conjecture, which is something you computer sciences when will I learn it's a fruitless exercise anyway we have a, a few follow-ups from the news items on last week's episode uh, last week we talked about Facebook's trouble with meta or actually is it meta's trouble with meta now I don't know it's uh Facebook is called meta so it's I guess it's meta's trouble with the with the metaverse um, anyway they have bigger troubles this week because of their stocks so that their their whole um you know stock value uh collapse we'll talk about that in a second occurred after uh after Aaron and I talked about uh their business model problem with the metaverse and whether their vision of the metaverse could actually come to fruition and uh so I I, I wanted to break that down a little bit they have bigger troubles because of their stock meta stock I I I never um get used to calling it Meta. Well, maybe I will. It's just the beginning. But anyway, Meta stock lost about 20% of its value or um, it's worth about a, a quarter of a trillion dollars less than last week's. So that's trillion with a T. You know, they round off to about $250 billion lost. Now, I want to put this in context. It could sound like the a total game changer. You know, I I, I don't... You know, don't get too excited. If you are excited about uh, Facebook, uh, you know, a lot of people want Facebook to die and, um, you know, maybe rightfully so. But <laughs> if you wish ill on Facebook, I don't want you to get overly excited about this uh, because it's it's kind of premature. So uh, I guess we'll get into um all the problems with Facebook later, you know what exactly are we rooting for here? If Facebook, you know, is around for a little bit, there are a lot of grievances against Facebook. Also, I'm not really about playing the stock market with Facebook here, but if this, uh, if this um, stock uh, shock is an indication that the incumbent business models of the internet uh, that all big tech is, is using right now is no longer working, then it could pave the way for big changes. And I think that's what you want to watch uh, right now. So first off, Facebook is now worth about what it was before the pandemic. So that gives you a sense of how far back we went. Of course, there's been a bit of inflation since then. So um, so they, they have lost a considerable amount of value since then. I don't know how far you would have to go back uh, before... Um, it's it's you know worth the same as it is now. Certainly, um, the the losses that they had in 2018, you wouldn't have to go back that far. So it's it's worth about where it was in in 2019. Also, Facebook has met with stock setbacks before, and the stock setbacks that they've had before were uh, as big or bigger of a percentage than they are now. So obviously. Facebook is so huge now that just the raw number of market cap lost, 250 billion, is kind of incredible. And that means there is a difference. It's going to, um, it, 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 it could pretend bigger changes than it did before. But such stock shocks have been weathered before. And so I'll go through a few of them. First, if you, uh, you know, this is a, a long time ago now, but when Facebook went public in 2012, uh, they were a bit overhyped. Uh, they were sold initially for a much higher price than the market would bear. And so at that point, they went from around $38 a share to around 18 So they had that huge drop. But that was from them being overhyped in a hot market. They were perhaps getting ahead of themselves. They were a little bit early. The other stock drop happened six years later in 2018, And what was going on in 2018, that was the Cambridge Analytica scandal. That was the year that Mark Zuckerberg went before Congress. I actually think that I have uh, an episode on that as it happened. What was the one that, uh, what was the one, I I think that was episode 10, actually. Uh, uh, Yes, April 24th, 2018, episode 10, uh, Zuckerberg testifies and the Great Moderation War continues. So we talked about that one uh, live, as it were. And so from there, it dropped from a high of $207 down to $124. But that was a slow drop. That was over the course of a whole year. It recovered by 2020 as those things cooled down, public attention went elsewhere. Um, And so I think what happened at that point was investors realized that it was more public perceptions about Facebook Facebook was getting a lot of negative press, but it wasn't really their profitability that was a problem. So, sure, uh, I keep investing in in Facebook, even though Facebook did make some news feed changes that uh, apparently you know weren't good for prop- profitability. Still ma- they still they uh, still continued to be ridiculously profitable, and they had huge growth in all areas. Uh, so, the third one that they had was they had a flash crash in um, for COVID. So they went from uh, Two hundred fifteen dollars down to one fifty, kind of similar to twenty eighteen, except that all happened, boom, right in in you know in in the course of a week, COVID week. if Y'all remember March uh, March twenty twenty, and then it came back, it came right back uh, two months later by May. So. Um, uh, Facebook did see an incredible climb after that. So during the pandemic, Facebook, I think there was a lot of uncertainty in March as the pandemic was starting, but, uh, a lot of these, uh, tech stocks, particularly big tech stocks, at first Amazon kind of let it because everybody knows Amazon is going to make bank during, uh, this time when everybody's, uh, everybody is, uh, um, everybody's ordering their, uh, their goods on Amazon but uh the other big tech kind of uh, stocks followed it as it turns out that um uh the uh you know the the covid was actually a a a boon for them so facebook has seen an incredible climb over the last year before this correction so what is this like is this more like 2012 i think it's i think in some ways in terms of the speed of the drop it's more like 2012 and 2020 in that the crash was fast, whereas 2018, Facebook's crash was slow. Um, In all three cases in the past, it came back. In 2020, it came back fast, but in 2012, it took a while. Uh, But Facebook's crash is also a little bit more like 2018 when it looked like there was a more serious long-term problem with Facebook's business. 2018 turned out either not to be true or to be a little bit... um, premature saying that the business was saturated, but, uh, maybe, maybe we're here now. So, um, the, the, the cited cause for the drop is that, uh, the, the short-term reason is given as quarterly earnings. Okay. But what else is going on? Um, and there's, there are a few things going on. Uh, one of the reasons cited is, uh, again, the reason that, um, I mentioned, uh, a few that, that I named the podcast way back in, uh, not way back, but uh, just a little bit back in episode 202, tech giants at their saturation point, when I talked about how companies like Facebook and like like Twitter and Google and all that have are kind of reached the end point of their, not of their usefulness, they're still useful to lots and lots of people, but it's hard to grow once you've taken over the whole world. So Facebook everyone in the world uses Facebook and so it's hard to grow and it's also easy for it to become stale and easy for, uh, competitors to come in and people to start using something else. Now, another reason cited, and this is interesting, is, is Apple. Well, what's Apple doing? Apple is the big giant in the room. Not everyone accesses Facebook through Apple. A lot of people access Facebook through their web browser. They access Facebook through an Android device, but, um, I don't know if it's the majority, but at least a good chunk, I'd estimate at least 30% access it through uh, their app on an Apple device, probably an an iPhone. So what's Apple doing? Uh, They changed who has access to something called the IDFA, and the IDFA is kind of like a digital identity that Apple attaches to all of their devices uh, used for the purpose of giving you targeted ads. So if you have, uh, if if, uh, your device has a particular Apple, you know, IDFA, then, um, uh, your, uh, apps can log and sell things that happen in the app. And then that kind of gets aggregated. Um, and then after that, it gets aggregated, um, advertisers kind of know what you've been searching for across the, um, Across the ecosystem, across the web ecosystem, through your Apple device, and then they can use that to serve your ads. By the way, they're not—they're not recording you. It's just that you, a lot of people think that Apple is secretly recording you through the phone. It's just that you know they know what you click, and you either forgot or, um, or it's uh, or it's kind of obvious what you what you would have been looking for. But anyway, uh, so so you have this digital identity, and now what for what Apple is doing. Is and I got one of these pop-ups. If you do, if you are on an iPhone, you should uh, look for these pop-ups. It actually asks uh, permission for an app to track you. It asks for explicit permission. So, um, and a lot of people say no. Whereas before, yeah, you could stop an app from tracking you, but. Um, you know, you have to go into your settings and all that. It's a whole big thing. So who's going to do it? So you're kind of taking advantage of people's ignorance of, of what they can do. Um, so uh, some people still leave it on. You know, it's fine. It's I'm not, you know, it's... Uh, it, it It's not the most harmful thing that's that's happening to you on the internet, I I would say. But, you know, a lot of people don't want to be tracked. And so you have questions. And so you can't – so in other words, if you have uh, an an app in the iOS ecosystem, you can't share as much data uh, as you could before. And therefore, you're less profitable. And, you know, one of the most profitable ones was the Facebook app. And so as a result, there's less targeted advertising and and so on and so forth. Now, we went through this in the location industry a few years ago, where apps uh, at some point needed to ask for location permissions. Now, that was very must have been a scary time for Foursquare's business model. I kind of got that third hand when I was working there. People were all scurrying, what's this going to mean? But... Uh, I I think the companies got through that successfully. It's like, well, enough people opt in for location permissions because there are a lot of apps that uh, need to use location for, uh, you know, for uh, legitimate purposes. Like, you know, what, you know, like, are you at the, the, uh, like, well, for example, if the app is, Specific to a chain, a good question would be like, are you at that chain? Are you at the Starbucks if you're the Starbucks app? So uh, I, you know, people are like sure, I I'd like help ordering at Starbucks as soon as I walk in, why not? And then like, you know, if there's a, a map app or a recommendation app, uh, people might want to share their location. So it turned out that there was a little bit of like, kind of, oh, the sky is falling in our whole industry when Apple changed the rules on location permissions. But companies like foursquare were able to weather the storm. So, uh if you think that uh Facebook can't weather this storm or maybe okay there's their stock price dropped but uh because it kind of hurt but they'll just kind of keep building up from here and then that's kind of weathering the storm like they're not going to they're not going to die because of this. Um so okay, uh there's there's that issue. I I also found on on Twitter uh a former who, uh, Facebook engineer, Nikita Baer, uh, who, who used to work for Meta, he kind of wrote his thoughts on the, the five reasons that Facebook stop uh, went down. Uh, his first reason was, hi, ARPU coastal users have churned, ARPU, A-R-P-U. That's the average, uh, uh, average revenue per user. So basically, people who spend a lot. Um, and actually, when when they're targeted by these ads, actually actually can buy things. Those users are kind of moving off Facebook. So when you use those users, it's bad because you're u- losing a lot of money. And kind of th- the reason he gives is that TikTok is eating their lunch, and um, that's also cited in in various sources that apparently TikTok uh, is uh, is uh, is competing with Facebook for eyeballs quite a bit. Um, Which is interesting because I never personally got into TikTok. Maybe I'm too old or as Aaron says, I'm an old, but uh, (laughs) we'll see what happens with TikTok. Um, You also get the other reasons they can't acquire because of antitrust. Uh, They can't build because the founders don't want to be there. That's an interesting one. I don't, Oh, 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 because when they buy a company, the founders want to leave, like the Instagram founders left, the WhatsApp founders, I think, left. So they acquire these companies, but then the, the people who are excited about those products and and um, built those products don't want to stick around, so they have to kind of hire engineers to kind of slog through somebody else's code who might not want to be there. Um, he also talked about, okay, the IDFA, ads targeting, and the fact that the metaverse is... Uh, he writes ten years out. It's whatever it is. It's it's really far out from uh, reaching its goal. Now, look, uh, Mark Zuckerberg created Facebook in two thousand three. Maybe some of the beginnings of it with like Face Smash and stuff with two thousand two, two thousand. And um, that he was kind of right. He saw something that was coming out ten years out. So maybe he's right about the metaverse. Although I feel like. When starting Facebook, it's like you're the um, scrappy outsider who's going to show the incumbents what really needs to be done. Whereas when starting the metaverse, he's doing that as the incumbent and kind of forcing his vision on the world when the world might be more interested in something else. Uh, so we'll see what happens. And then, uh, so uh, yeah, I don't think that um, I, I think he's right. I think the metaverse. Uh, as we said last time, is not really going to uh, it, uh, 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 come to fruition, at least in the way Facebook wants. And um, Facebook is kind of still thinking along the lines of Web 2.0, the centralized web. That's their, you know, that's their bread and butter. That's the way they consider things. And so that's, I think that's, um, I, I, I think they are overplaying their hand with the metaverse. And we're very premature in naming their company, company Meta. Um, yeah, I mean, wouldn't it be kind of like it, it's not that embarrassing when you have to kill a product or initiative, but if you actually have to rename the company back or re, rename the company again, that's kind of embarrassing. I think maybe it would be better just to keep the name Meta if you're not working in the metaverse, but say like it's like Alphabet for Google. It's the holding company of Facebook and uh, and 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 WhatsApp and Instagram and and all the other properties. That uh, they own. So with Facebook, you might be thinking that this whole thing is kind of blowback for some of the things that Facebook has done, or it's a backlash. But really, I think the bottom line is this is the industry rejiggering itself, um, with Apple uh, leading the way and throwing everything up uh, in in a good way. It kind of means that, um, you know, Apple has increased their, uh, has you know, increased their their privacy and and security controls made it a little bit more intuitive. It's still not great, but like it's better than it was. So the good news. So if you're looking for if you're someone who hates Facebook and you want to see them crash and burn, this is not uh, for for the things they've done for you to you or, or for the things they've done. Whatever it is, people have a lot of different um, kind of. Um, issues with Facebook, and I have my own. And if you're curious about that, I have whole rants on the uh, on the podcast about that. Uh, but um, I, I think this is really the, like I said, the industry rejiggering itself. But there is good news in that. And the good news is that these tech giants, this big tech conglomerate is not static. They are fighting each other for market share and control. And because there's so many moving parts, we may get better business models that lead to better outcomes in the next generation. We're not stuck in terms of technology, in terms of the internet. We're not stuck with the things looking like the way they do now, even though it feels like these incumbents have been there for a long time. Facebook's been there for so long. Uh, it's been dominant. Google has been dominant for so long. Apple's been dominant for so long. But even, even then, they're kind of forced change and they're forced to go under... New regimes, as it will, and so we're going to be following this here on the local maximum. Keep listening, and um, yeah, just uh, I, I, I guess the point is things are always in flux. So, what about Twitter? I actually think that Twitter is the, the Twitter is also down, and I think Twitter, if you really hate Twitter, particularly if you hate Twitter because of censorship, um, and and you know they've they've really stepped it up. Recently over the years, they keep on cranking that forward. They lost their um, founder, Jack Dorsey. And now the, uh, <laughs> now the inmates are in, in charge of the asylum, uh, so it will, uh, as, as it were. And um, so uh, they, they've been down a lot. And I think they, they kicked off Trump, who was—Donald uh, 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 Trump was a huge draw for a lot of people to Twitter. And, you know, they uh, kicked him off in the name of democracy— and um, Twitter's stock is down a lot since they kicked off Trump. And here, unlike the Facebook situation, I think they're getting uh, comeuppance for their ways. I personally still go on Twitter, but they're a lot less exciting. They're losing users. Um, Newsweek, interestingly, ties in Twitter's stock drop directly with their censorship. Um, and of course, it's not just Donald Trump, but it's their heavy-handed approach to a whole range of related issue. Uh, related issues and last year in my episode on decentralizing before their eyes you know it was just as I looked into this stuff I just it just became so obvious they were so screwed and uh, now they're hollowing out uh considerably their app is still usable um Content may limp limp along for a while, years, maybe like a decade or so, but uh, I don't know, kind of a, a zombie, kind of a dead man walking. It's still like, you know, Yahoo is still around, but uh, who goes on Yahoo? Even 10 years ago, Yahoo was kind of a, a, a zombie. Um, so uh, it might be kind of like that. Now, Newsweek ties it to um, not, not, just, um, not just them banning Trump, but of uh, Trump's new social network that apparently is going to come out called Truth Social. So does Truth Social replace them? Well, no, uh, I doubt it personally for a variety of reasons. I think that the people who are involved with that, they're they're primarily media people. They're not tech people uh, that that they would hire. Uh, and obviously, they wouldn't be people who are very popular in the industry. Well, that could be okay, but they can't just win with like a clone with different marketing. You need decentralization. You need some kind of technical vision for that. And so... I think my prediction on that is that um, you know Trump will launch this Truth Social, and they can hope to win their their niche um, their niche group, kind of like what Getter is now. Where, but it's kind of just kind of like the same types of people. So they might take a they might take a chunk out of Twitter and Facebook. They might take a chunk at a at a big tech, uh, which which maybe you could call a win. But I don't think it will be a game changer. At all, um, and I don't know if they have a good plan for what they're going to do when they come up, come come on with it, come under attack. So there's that. All right, another news story: Sony buys Bungie. Today we're doing all the uh, all the industry news, I guess that I think is 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 relevant. So last week we talked about uh, Facebook. Uh, ramping up in the metaverse, Microsoft getting into the metaverse by buying Activision. And now Sony is buying Bungie. They're the guys who do Halo. So they actually have a lot of games on the Xbox, but they have their games on all sorts of platforms. And maybe they could put their games on, on the PlayStation platform. Uh, I, I personally associate Halo with Xbox, but perhaps they could be... I think they're on PlayStation too, and they could be PlayStation uh, first. So is this just more consolidation in gaming and gaming franchises and gaming worlds? Um, uh, and, you know, okay, the big guys are now in control and they're ready to do battle. Uh, or is this kind of like the, the beginnings of a, of a metaverse ready to explode? Is this kind of, you know, the um, uh, these companies are, are buying all these gaming franchises because they want to use them for the upcoming metaverse? Um, or... It, uh, coming back to the first possibility is this just an aging industry consolidating i time will tell i guess um i i think it might be the latter so i i feel like there might be some huge hype around it but it could be uh, that that it could th- this could be for the metaverse and maybe they're all telling themselves that but um look the gaming industry has been around for a long time the big players are there and that's what happens consolidation happens so Maybe this is, um, you know, maybe this is not as significant as some might say, but maybe it is. So we'll keep on in, uh, track of it. One story that's really under the radar, that I think is always significant, is with uh, with self driving cars. Apparently, this company called Cruise, which is a competitor to Waymo, we've been following Waymo here on the program because they've been having their self driving cars uh, drive around. Uh, Phoenix, Arizona, that whole area, and uh, they opened it up uh, without safety drivers, and then they went to San Francisco. Now they have a little competition. They have this company, Cruise, that are also, uh, C-R-U-I-S-E, like cruising around, they're also opening up their driverless cars in San Francisco to the public. So wouldn't it be great to go use a driverless car, the only downside is you have to go to San Francisco. So, <laughs> hopefully, they will bring driverless cars somewhere uh, else other than San Francisco in the uh, in in the meantime. But this seems like a, a pretty big deal. You can call them uh, no safety rides, and I look forward to hearing about you know how that works and the fact that there is competition in this space and the competition coming from Waymo and Cruise like yes Waymo was started by Google and Cruise I don't I believe they're associated with um are they associated with the GM I'm not sure but they they are quite independent as companies and the fact that they're kind of ramping up to do battle in this space means they think it's going to be huge and so these this is the kind of little known uh story that uh that uh, to me shows the seed of something that's going to happen in the future. That's going to really ramp up this decade. That maybe uh, the, something like the metaverse might not might might not happen. Uh, <laughs> might might not happen like they think. So we'll follow that. Finally, I am going to end today's episode by just mentioning Joe Rogan really fast. I obviously love the potiverse the uh you know the the whole um ecosystem of podcasts that exists out there it's the um it's the freest most interesting um you know most thought provoking uh you know most kind of in-depth and intellectual medium there is out there and obviously Joe Rogan is one of the biggest players and well as you know uh All these celebrities are lining up trying to get Joe Rogan fired, trying to get him off the air, as it will. Of course, you can't get a podcast off the air. We're not on the air. We're on the Internet. Uh, But they're trying to get him off Spotify. Um, And it's really strange the list of celebrities that they have lining up to, like, remove their music from Spotify. Nobody who I particularly care about. Um, Joe Rogan, he kind of comes out with some tepid apologies uh, for, I don't know, having... Heterodox guests on never do this because first of all your apology is not accepted. Then they come out with um, more things he said further on in the further down in the past to try to uh, make him apologize again, and so ultimately to platform them. So so far Spotify says they won't deplatform him, but they've already started to they've already quote I'm making air quotes convinced convinced him to remove like 100 episodes or 70 episodes, 100 episodes. Uh, We're not exactly sure why. Okay, look, maybe he made some off-color jokes in those episodes he's not proud of, so he wants to remove them. I mean, I get it, although I kind of like keeping them on just for, uh, you know, just just let history stand as it is, but... um, uh, could that be the beginning? I mean, like I I don't know how spot, I I don't see Spotify standing firm on what they said, no matter what. I mean, they're, um, you know, they're, they're Spotify. (laughs) They're not uh, probably not very principled. Now, um, would it matter if Spotify deplatformed him? He would lose a bunch of money, but I don't think his podcast would go away. I think it would have more listeners because now you could listen in other places besides Spotify. I mean, he's not on other podcast apps. Um, so he would simply be a long list of tech casualties, and it would honestly it would quicken the creation of alternatives, and they are here. But will they ever win? I think if uh, if Spotify successfully, if um, the people pressuring Spotify, which includes these kind of washed up artists, but also a lot of Spotify's employees, you know, you have these kind of woke activist employees all over the place. If they cave to those people, then um, it would quicken the creation of the alternatives and they would win faster. I always find it interesting. Like John Stewart said that Spotify doing this would be a mistake. I mean, I, you know, I, I already looking in that wording, like I hate the word mistake for this. It's like, no, it would be an outrage, not a mistake. <laughs> but, uh, um, as if like you want to silence him, but just, this is not a good idea on, on how to do it. Uh, but, um, I, I think there, uh, there are, I, I, it, it's I can't make a prediction on how this will turn out, on whether this will blow over or not. Um, so it's you know, sometimes I may feel like I can make a prediction. sometimes I can't. This is one time when I feel like I can't. All right, finally, this kind of made me laugh. A lot of people online came up with this joke, so I don't know who originated it or it's not a joke. It's more of like a retort, but the New York Times headline, Reads. This is one of those wonderful New York Times headlines that you kind of think, "Wow, what what a great newspaper!" Uh, Telling it like it is. They write, "Europe thinks Putin is planning something worse than war." Okay. Anyway, the retort I'm getting online is, "He's starting a podcast." All right. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show.